from Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 53. Today's show is brought to you by Lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts, Igloo, an internet you'll actually like, and Text Expander from Smile. Type more with less effort. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as always, by the wonderful Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, sir. Congratulations and happy anniversary to you, sir. You too. I got you um, this episode of Connected. Oh, that is so kind of you. Oh, well, I got a greater gift for you. I brought Mr. David Sparks. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, gang. Hey, congratulations on one year. That's pretty exciting. Thank you, sir. Federico is is celebrating for us uh, somewhere off in the uh, on the coast of Italy, so he's having a great time. So we thought, why not bring in the only man to fill his shoes, as the one of Mr. David Sparks? And we have a lot of great stuff today. But you know, it is our anniversary week, so we have a very special show planned with lots and lots of fun little goodies. But of course, every episode of Connected should begin with follow up. We have a, a bunch of follow-up this week, mostly around Force Touch, which we've been talking about for a while, potentially coming to the iPhone uh, and the iPad. And so we have a collection of tweets in the show notes this week. Uh, the first one uh, by Ben Huggle on Twitter. Um, uh, quite a hilarious um, little gif of why Force Touch might be bad on the iPad. And you should load this up and watch it, but he pushes down on his iPad and the smart cover that's folded up underneath it basically just collapses <laughs> which is really great and i don't know about the two of you guys but i have a smart cover and i hate it like it's just it's miserable uh i i love the smart cover for all of the things that it's good at but i hate it for everything else does that make sense like so exactly what ben is showing drives me crazy or like if i have it folded up in that little triangle and i like put it on my legs or something like say you're sitting on the like on the couch or on your bed or something you get your knees up and you put the iPad down and then it just slides like it just goes and then it's like pointless and then the smart cover flicks back over again but for all of the things that it's good at I really like it I mean I just like that when you close it and then it, the the iPad locks that's like my favorite thing about it which is so simple yeah, but yeah my smart cover kind of just a way to protect the glass when I'm carrying it around more yeah, than anything exactly. when I when I'm actually using the device I I yank it off just about every time but I I also have a stump. You guys have a stump? Uh, a what? You, this? A stump. you gotta get you gotta get a stump. It's a uh, just this like piece of hardened rubber. It's got a weight in it and a little wedge where you can drop it in. It's like the uh, it's just one of the greatest things if you ever want to watch on your iPad or anything. You uh, oh, yeah. it just it just holds it. I, they gave it. It was in the speaker bag in MacWorld years ago, and I've got like. Five of them now. They're just spread out all over the house. And anytime you want to do something on your iPad, find us. Find the local stump. <laughs> <laughs> no, this looks really, really interesting. Because the problem with the smart cover, I mean, Mike, I'm with you, that it's great as a cover, but you go and stand the thing up and it just wants to topple over. And obviously this thing is is not going to uh, to do that. So we've added this to the uh, to the show notes uh, Mike, where can people find the show notes this week? In a very special place. They can go to relay.fm slash connected slash 53. I think I've shared this on another show, but I hate the way that numbers work, you know? Because <laughs> this is our one-year anniversary and it's number 53, but I hate the idea of starting at zero. But that's that's all I have for you what? on that. I, it's oh. just, you know, I wish it was 52. Are you losing sleep over that, Mike? I just want to know how bad this is upsetting you. Uh, well, see, the thing is, it, is, it upsets me a little bit. 
but it's happened to me like five times this week, <laughs> so it's it's uh, amplified a little bit more than usual, I think, than, than how I would normally be upset. Well, this is the fun. biggest problem you're having. You're doing okay, brother. <laughs> Stephen, please continue with the follow-up. Uh, we have a tweet from uh, Thomas Hall saying the force touch could be painful uh, with people dealing with RSI or arthritis issues. Yep. And Mike, you touched on this a little bit about how you don't like like smashing your finger into your watch because you know, it puts a lot of pressure on the end of your finger and how that can be um, annoying or even painful over time. Yep. See, this is where I, I get concerned about it becoming a way that parts of UI may be like hidden behind. And I know that there can be the the ability to add things in accessibility, but the way that I see that that would probably happen is you end up with one of those little assistive touch type buttons that lives on the screen at all times, you know? You, have you ever played with that? Like if you know somebody whose home button is broken or their lock button is broken and then they have to enable the assistive touch which gives you this little clear button that lives on your iPhone home screen at all times that you have to move around. Mm-hmm. It's kind uh, of like yeah. it works but it, it's it's like an imperfect solution. But it, it, yeah. yeah. But it, So if, if things start getting hidden behind false touch that can't be revealed in other ways, I, I don't know how I feel about that right now. Yeah, well, Thomas has a good point. I mean, I have um, I have a touch of, of RSI, and it, it, it it's by no means, like, some people have it, and it's really terrible. Mine is not um, not that bad, but um, I, I will notice it. Um, I switched from, like, the Apple Extended 2 keyboard with, like, mechanical switches, um, and I switched from that for a couple of years ago to the this is the regular Apple Bluetooth one because of the pressure it takes to type um, and the height and everything it was just, like, a bad combination, and so I've worked really hard on... Uh, the things that I use, I use the same mouse at work and at home, and and because it it's one that I find comfortable. I think that's just really important to look out for. And as someone who, uh, I mean, some days my iPhone is my main computer. Uh, I agree with you, Mike. I don't I don't want to be in a situation where a bunch of I have to do is behind a, a force touch. And and like we spoke about last week, it will be some time before that's even possible. But um, I think it's another factor that developers should think about. Uh, when looking at implementing this stuff. What uh, mouse do you use? I use the uh, Logitech Performance MX. Or yeah. Yeah, I think you, you recommended it. this one to me. Yeah, yeah. so it's um, uh, it's great. You know, it's it's it uses that weird little like RF dongle. It's not, you know, it's like mm-hmm. not really Bluetooth. It's some sort of weird thing. Um, yeah, I have, it's so annoying. I have to have one of those for my mouse and one of those for my keyboard. Yeah. So I end up with two USB ports taken up. Like, it, it doesn't feel like that should be a thing that has to happen to me in 2015, but it does. Do either of you guys use the Magic Trackpad? Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's all That's all I use anymore. I've just got so used to it. I, I had a mouse out, and I never was using it, so I don't know. I uh, I have a kind of crazy way that I navigate my computer. I use ten, I tend to have my mouse in my right hand and use my left hand with the Magic Trackpad. So I use it for gestures. But when I'm editing, I edit with both hands. So I like zoom and pan with the trackpad and do precision editing with the with the mouse. But now I've also got a Wacom tablet, which is kind of a bit of a magical thing for audio editing, I've discovered, um, after CGP Grey suggested it to me. So I have now, with my Mac Pro, three different input methods for just moving the cursor. <laughs> but, but why stop at three? I mean, really, if you've gone to three, you should be you at should like get six. one of the trackballs, track yeah. point, the whole the whole shebang. 
And and what is it? I forget that was that device that everybody got all excited about, and then nobody ever used the one that you can wave your hands over your computer. Oh yeah, uh, I bought one. I used it for like thirty minutes, and then I'm like, okay, this is fun. Oh, I don't know yeah. what that was called. All right, by next year, Mike, we gotta get you to six. <laughs> just waving my arms around constantly to just move. Yeah, one of those on things, you, like a hat, you know, with like a, some kind of sensor on it, so you can just use your head. That'd be awesome. <laughs> You're editing logic by turning your neck. That that won't get old at all. <laughs> um, uh, Amir Harris wrote in to say that force touch um, uh, may be like keyboard shortcuts, sort of a power way, a power user way to do something, but not the only way. Um, and I I I like this line of thinking. You know, like on on OS ten, you can do uh, just about everything with the with the cursor using your mouse or trackpad or or uh, uh, helmet cam if you're if you're Mike. Um, but, you know, OS X exposes the keyboard shortcuts. If you go up to a menu uh, in OS X, over to the right-hand side, it shows you the keyboard shortcut if there's one available. So I'm in Safari right now, and it's like, new window, you know, command in, new private window, shift command in. Um, and uh, I think that's an interesting way to think about Force Touch. You know, maybe it's things that are exposed in the UI somewhere, but uh, if you want to get to it quickly or sort of um, in, a, in, a, in a different way, maybe Force Touch could be used like that. Again, this is something that it's up to developers, right? I mean, this is going to be potentially different from app to app depending on on how people implement it. Yeah, I, I think that any uh, exclusive feature through force touch is a mistake by the developer. I mean, if I have to force touch to do anything that I can't do any other way, especially with the initial launch of this on the iPhone and iPad, I think it's going to be a big problem. I mean, not only do not all users have the the uh, force touch available to them. But I just think a lot of people are going to completely miss out on force touch and not even be aware of it. Almost like the, you know, the right, um, like the alternate click on the mouse. There's a ton of people out there that still don't even realize that exists. Um, I mean, to me, the, 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 the real um, positive spin of force touch on iPad and iPhone is the ability to shortcut things that would usually take more taps. Yeah, exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah, I it mean, does. just you know, if you could just like long touch or force touch, and have it, you know, prepare an email to somebody that you want, you know, a regular email or whatever, you know, something like that that just just uh, you know cuts out some extra steps. I think that's the biggest benefit because anything beyond that, uh, people are going to totally miss out on it. Whilst I would love that as well, that feels like a level of complexity that Apple wouldn't do. You know, like user-selectable shortcuts in certain scenarios. It feels like a very Android thing, you know? I, I, I would love that, but I'm not holding out hope. Like, for example, if I force touch on the mail icon, what does it do? Like, I feel like what would end up happening is Apple would define it rather than allowing me to like to select it. But we'll see. I, I hope that, that if that would be a good reason to have it. I agree. But th- that's not just Apple involved here. Like, I mean, you know, OmniFocus. What if sure, sure. The people at Smile have already shown their willingness to allow you to kind of pick uh, certain behaviors. Um, so why wouldn't they have something in there that allows you to go to a certain perspective? Or, you know, just think of all the apps you use and and what clever developers could do with them, like drafts. I, I could imagine some really cool force touch stuff coming out of drafts. I imagine that like you'd force touch on drafts and Greg would just read your mind. Like that's just how that works. <laughs> yeah, that that's actually possible with Greg, I think. <laughs> yeah. 
before we end follow up, we have to make a, a quick stop in uh, w- the new segment I'm going to call Apple Pay Sadness Corner. Okay. Um, uh, so a- as I think it's every Tuesday, because it seems like this has happened as we're recording for a couple weeks now, uh, Apple announces new Apple Pay banks and uh, still not on the list. So that's um, that's all there is. Maybe we need some sort of like a sound effect or something to like that I'm sad. but The uh, fact that there are now more than 400 existing partners in the US and UK, considering in the UK that's, there's probably like seven of those, right? Right. I think at this point, you just need to change bank. But yeah, I mean, it seems like a silly reason to do it, but... Uh, no way. Still sad. <laughs> no, no way. No, at this point, no, at this point, it's playing chicken with, with what the bank has said. So, because <laughs> they said they're going to support it. And I stand by their word for at least a couple more Tuesdays. So we'll we'll see what happens. It's like Barclays, right? Isn't that the one you're waiting for? No, for- no, it's like a little local credit union. I'm waiting for Barclays because I yeah. with HSBC and was move- in the process of moving everything over to Barclays, and now they didn't have it on launch day. They're apparently working on it, so I have halted my movement uh, until that occurs, and then I'll move everything over completely. <laughs> Maybe Steven's credit union like is just monitoring Steven's account, and they have everything set up, and they're like, well, Steven's still with us? Yeah, he is. Okay, well, then let's wait. <laughs> this is the day you leave. <laughs> Makes you feel better. I belong to the Disneyland credit union. You're back from my old Jungle Cruise days. I've st- stuck with that bank. And, and, awesome. And, and, and they support it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> There it is. Very small credit union. I think they have one branch in the world, you know, but they, yeah. they support it. Why did Disney have a bank? For employees and stuff. Uh, you know, I, yeah, they're not messing around. It takes good care. You know, credit unions are great. They take good care of you when you are when you have no money, you know, like me. Fair enough. I'm going to take a break. This week's episode is brought to you by Linda.com. They have been a great supporter of Relay over the last year, and I'm really happy to tell you about them today. Lynda.com is the online learning platform that has over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. You can get yourself a free 10-day trial by visiting lynda.com slash connected. Lynda.com is for people that want to learn stuff, and it's for people that want to learn things for all kinds of reasons. Maybe there's a hobby that you've always wanted to pursue but have never had the skills to start, and you don't know where to begin. Maybe you want to get a promotion at work and there's some stuff that you have to learn first. Or you completely want to change your career. Lynda.com is there to help you do any of this kind of stuff. Maybe you need to learn Excel. Maybe you want to learn negotiation tactics. We have David Sparks of us today. Maybe you want to learn getting things done, right? They have courses on this stuff at lynda.com. You can learn app development on multiple different platforms. You can learn design, but not just how to use Photoshop and Illustrator, but you can learn the fundamentals of design, like the use of color and the use of typography and how that can help enhance the work that you're doing. lynda.com All of their courses are taught by fantastic experts who are truly passionate about what they teach. Their videos are fantastically produced and they're made in such a way that you can watch them start to finish or consume them in small bite-sized pieces. This might allow you to get through it at your own pace if that's the type of way that you like to learn. And you can watch these videos wherever you want. You can watch them in your web browser and follow along with their great transcripts that they have. Or you can even watch and download courses to your Android or iOS device so you can learn on the go. You can also choose whatever course 
resources you want and add them to your own playlists so you can create your own uh, learning path which you can share with friends, colleagues and team members as well. All of this is available to you for just one flat rate to Blender.com. Your membership is going to give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of different topics. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby or you just want to learn something new, I would love it if you would go and visit Lynda.com slash connected. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash connected and sign up for your free 10-day trial because not only will you be getting access to all of this great stuff, you'll also be helping to support this show and Relay FM. Thank you so much, Lynda.com, for their continued support this year. So I've mentioned it a bunch. Uh, it's our anniversary this week at Relay FM. We're one year old and we just had a couple of little bits that we wanted to mention. Uh, we have launched two new shows this week. Um, we are recording on Tuesday. We put them out on Monday. Uh, one show is called Top 4 and the hosts of Top 4 are Marco Arment and Tiffany Arment. And they talk about their four favorite things in a certain category. So the first show is about video games. So they talk about their four favorite video games. But my favorite thing about the show is you get to hear their kind of banter and the shared sense of humor that they have, which I really like. And it makes the show very charming to listen to. And I think you really enjoy it. So you should give that one a try. But we do have one more show that I'm going to leave Stephen Hackett to tell you about. Yeah, so Jason Snell and I are doing a, uh, what we're calling fortnightly, but uh, every other week. Um, I like that you both want to say fortnightly, but then feel like you have to explain it. I love it because, every single time. Because I feel like there are some people who might not, um, that might not resonate with. But, because uh, Americans. Yeah. Both yep. of you only know fortnightly because of me, and <laughs> you just can't help it. It's a great word. But, uh Anyways, um, so Liftoff is a show about space and how we get there and what we do when we're there. And the, the idea is that Jason and I are, are interested in the space, but we're not necessarily rocket scientists. And so uh, kind of having a, a more casual conversation about what's going on, uh, both news and we want to do some educational stuff. So uh, we're going to do some episodes that are just sort of evergreen, like learning about uh, a certain topic or, or set of topics. So we're excited to be doing it. Um, you should check, you should check both shows out. Both shows are a lot of, a lot of fun. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to do a space show, finally. Yeah, I listened to the first episode, I finished it this morning, and I really, really enjoyed it. And I didn't feel like I was out of my depth listening to it, which is a testament to you both, because I don't know anything about space stuff, but I'm interested in it. So it fit the bill, for sure. Uh, we're also, today, uh, straight after this show is finished, we're going to be doing a Q&A, where we've been asking people to send us in questions about our first year and about Relay and stuff like that for the last couple of weeks. It's going to be available in our B-Sides feed. Um, I'm going to include a link to that in the show notes, so you'll be able to find it once it's posted. And finally, uh just before we recorded today, uh, TechCrunch posted a great post uh, all about Relay FM. Um, me and Stephen have been talking to a really great Roman over at TechCrunch, and uh, he's written a fantastic article about us, which I would also love if you would read, because it will give you a kind of an idea um, as to how we operate and how we work as a business and kind of where we think we've come and where we're going to go over the next forever. So please go and take a look at that. Next forever. Um I, th- I thought we could spend some time this week talking about the MacBook. Um, David, you uh, have been pretty uh, vocal about your your love of the machine, both on Mac Power users uh, and on your site. And uh, kind of thought it'd be fun to check in on that uh, if you're still in love with it or favorite things about it and, and that sort of thing. 
Yeah, I think I'm a little defensive about it because everybody just keeps, you know, bagging on my computer. But the, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it, it, well, it just, it came at the right time. Uh, I, I work from home and I have a gorgeous Retina iMac and I wanted something more portable than my uh, old aging Retina um, MacBook Pro, you know, and, and it's just, it is heavier and it is, you know, a lot more to carry around. And frankly, it was a lot more computer than I needed. And while it still had some resale value, I decided to, to, you know, change it out. And when this new MacBook came out, I mean, I, I was interested. I, I, for me, retina screen is a big deal. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That's true for everybody. I was talking to someone the other day who said that they're perfectly happy with their MacBook air and they don't even notice the difference between the two screens. I totally do. And, um, um, so I think that's the first you know, uh, problem or issue you have if you want to get one of these is, are you somebody who really likes the the good screen? But I do, and uh, I've been using it now, I don't know, I guess about two months. How long has it been out now? Uh... I mean, I got, I got it pretty early after they released it. But the um, but it's, it's a really nice little computer, and um, I don't have the complaints with it. Like, I know Marco famously hated his... And there's a couple other people I think they've written articles about how much they didn't like it. But for me, it's it's just been great. Um, I mean, the uh, it's so light. I mean, you can take it. It's about I don't know. It feels like carrying around an iPad Air, but I don't. I'm sure it's a little bit heavier, but it's just not much more. Mm-hmm. In fact, my little nephew was over the other day and he saw it on the table. He's like, "Is that your iPad? Can I put your iPad?" You know, he thought it was my <laughs> iPad. Yeah. And uh, and um. And there's a lot of complaints about the keyboard, but I've I've adjusted to the keyboard and it doesn't bother me. I I don't prefer it, but it doesn't slow me down. I'm fine. Because you with do it. a lot of writing on the machine, I assume. Yeah, right? that's primarily what I do with it is writing and you know just managing my life. You know, I wanted a machine that could run OmniFocus and you know Mail and Safari and email and Word and Pages and the stuff I use. I mean, in the day job, I've I deal with words a lot and Scrivener. Um, so I, um, I wanted just kind of like a portable Mac and this thing is great for it. What makes you choose it? Like, cause all of those things that you just said, an iPad can do all of those. I'm playing Federica. Uh, why don't you like, what makes you want to use a Mac for them instead? Uh, I'm faster on a Mac and I sure. still like my iPad and I, I still use it. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I can afford to have them both. So, there are certain things that happen on iPad and certain things that happen on the um, MacBook. And, and quite often when I leave the house for the day to go do client meetings or court or whatever, I'll bring them both with me. But uh, there are certain things that just the MacBook are better for. Like Scrivener is one of them. I write a lot of, of stuff in Scrivener. And um, having the attached keyboard and the application doesn't even exist on the iPad. But the um, yeah, that feels like that's been going on for a long yeah, time. I know, I know. <laughs> trust me. Um, but and even like you know, dealing with lots of data in OmniFocus is easier on a compute on a Mac than it is on the iPad. You know, there, there's certain things that are just easier. I mean, anyone and, that listens to Mac Power users like knows all the scripts and stuff that you have doing work for you in the background, right? And that's yeah. never going to come to the iPad. Yeah, and uh, and so right now you can have a Mac um, that is almost no heavier than an iPad, and that's pretty awesome. There, I mean, there's some other nice things about it too. The the power situation is really nice. I am um, quite often I will work remotely somewhere else, and um, the uh, the battery life is fine on this Mac. But if you really want to have fun, get yourself one of those big 
uh, bricks for, you know, it's actually an iPhone brick, you know, the ones that has a USB port in it that you can recharge your iPhone with. Um, it will recharge a, um, a new MacBook. It doesn't charge it fast, but you can add, I can add like five hours to it with one of those little bricks. That's crazy. And the thing isn't that heavy to carry around because it's really a phone charging brick. Yeah. I mean, it feels like in, in a lot of ways, the MacBook is more of a device than a computer. Like if that, if there's a distinction there, um, there's things like that, right? That you can, you can use a little battery pocket battery charger and charge up your laptop seems, uh, yeah. seems nuts really. Well, if you think about, and everybody's different, but if you work a lot on the road, um, you, everybody has a pain point where they don't pack the laptop. You know, let's say you have a MacBook pro, there's a certain point where you're just not going to take it with you. It may be, um, you know, something where you're only going out for a few hours or whatever. Um, this thing, that threshold is very, uh, very high before you don't carry it with you. Sure. I, I went to the, um, over the weekend, they have a, a big thing in Anaheim every couple of years called D23. It's the Disneyland uh, or the Disney company's uh, yeah, big convention. Yeah, I was very convention. jealous of you. Oh, it was crazy. I got to see I got to see Harrison Ford and oh, Dick man. Van Dyke and... Um, <laughs> Everyone's favorite duo. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it was just like... It, that, that's just an example of how broad it was. I mean, the entire cast from the new Star Wars movie, all the new people, plus Harrison Ford, not only the old people, uh, Ben Kingsley. It was just nuts. And um, anyway, but... But I um I carried that little laptop with me the whole day because there were certain times in the day, like my wife is really into this stuff and she wanted to go to certain sessions that I didn't want to go to. And I've been uh, sick the last couple of weeks, so I'm really trying to get caught up. So mm-hmm. I said, well, I can afford to go to this thing with you if I can have like four hours during the day that I can deal with my business. And she's like, fine. So I brought the little laptop with me, you know, found a Starbucks and I was fine. And, you know, I just would not have carried a 15 inch retina MacBook pro with me as I walked. I think I walked like 18,000 steps that day, you know, through the convention halls. So, um, you know, that's, that's an example of where it goes. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I mean, it sounds like that you, uh, I mean, could you get by in a situation like with just the MacBook or do you still find things that require the big iMac? Like really, I'm thinking like power-wise. Yeah, I, I, you know, my my uh, my summary is it's a great second Mac. It's not so great only Mac. And, and that's at least for me because I do work in like iBooks Author and, you know, some video production stuff that, you know, this iMac, I'm sorry, this little MacBook is just not built for. Um, if if all I did was kind of the stuff that I do on the MacBook, you know, um, word processing, email browsing stuff that would, it would be fine. But if you do any kind of power stuff, you're going to need something more hefty. But that being said, I I've twice now been out of town for over seven days and use that little laptop and it's been perfectly adequate for what I needed to do while I was out of town. Oh, you two are killing me. Yeah, so yeah. so so Mike, you you have not been uh, quiet about the fact that you see this machine and it it does things to your feelings. Yeah, to it, it to quote Top Gear, it gives me that fizzy feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is just every time I go into an Apple store, no matter what I'm going in for, I will always spend a couple of minutes just picking up and putting down one of these things. That, that tends to be the main thing that I do is I close it and I lift it and I put it down and, and I open it and I just keep doing that. So it's like it's there's nothing. It's, there's nothing there to it. And it looks fantastic and 
the keyboard's fine. Like, I don't write, you know, like you guys do. Like, I just type the occasional sentence here and there. So, and, and oh, it drives me crazy. I, I want one. And also, what's making it worse is I've changed my computer setup at home. So, I now use my Mac Pro as my primary machine. And I use my laptop. When I'm recording, I don't like to touch the machine that I'm recording on. So, I'm using my laptop right now just to read our show notes document and to add things to our uh, show notes on the website. Um, and then I also use my MacBook when I'm away, like when I'm out working or something. But the so the but currently the only thing that's stopping me is every like every now and then, maybe once every couple of weeks or something like that, I will do logic editing on my MacBook Pro at my co-working space, and I'm just not convinced that I would be able to ha- like cope with a slower machine trying to do that stuff because coming from my Mac Pro to my MacBook Pro, it's already too much of a decrease. I'm like, I'm sitting at the Mac Pro and I'm like, oh my God, why is taking you so long? Okay, so here's a question. Uh, is there other work you could do from your remote location other than editing? Yeah, there is. But it's one of the things is like sometimes I will know that I'm going to be sitting at this logic file for four hours. So I want to be at least in a nice varied location you know that that's kind of my thinking whenever i'm doing that stuff it's like i'm editing a long show and it takes me a long time to do it and the other things when i'm traveling like i'm on a plane and i'm editing then but it's like i don't know i I don't know i think the only real thing that's stopping me right now is new iphones and ipads just around the corner and i don't know if i can justify multiple thousands of dollars of apple products like in the space of a few weeks yeah, because well, I thought about it because I do, um, I, you know, I, I earn a living making, you know, screencast videos and, you know, the, the books I write. And um, I, I realized when I made this transition that I was giving up that ability. Like if I'm out of town for a week, I'm not going to be working on an iBooks author book. But, you know, that's for me unusual. Usually I am around. But the decision I had to make was. Uh, am I willing to give up the ability to work in those parts of my work life remotely? And um, and I, I start, started thinking about it. I'm like, well, you know, there's a lot of work I can do remotely that doesn't involve those two big p- programs. And sure. and frankly, I'm always behind on that work too. So if I'm going to go remotely, I'm going to be dealing with the email backlog or writing a contract or doing something else. And I really haven't missed the um, the power of the Retina MacBook Pro at all. Hmm. But that's a question you have to ask yourself. If you have to do logic editing remotely, I'm not sure this is the computer for you. So my my current feeling about this is just to to wait for the next revision and just see what happens. Like I don't think it's going to be as big a jump as it was from the original MacBook Air to the best computer app I ever made, right? By many people's like estimation, the the net like the second version and the third version of the MacBook Air was an incredible thing. I don't think it's going to be that much of a jump, but if they can beef it up in any way, then it might make it an easier purchase decision for me. Now, Stephen, you've got one in your house, right? Uh, I do. So my wife has an 11-inch MacBook Air that I had bought refurbished, so it was already... Uh, I don't. I meant to look up the model, but I think it's like two or two and a half years old. You know, I bought it. It was sort of a, a previous generation. Got a good deal on it, and she just needed a computer for sort of uh, around the house type type stuff. But I got it with a pretty small SSD in it, and she is uh, basically out of space. And so I was looking at, well, you know, I could get an SSD and put one in there potentially. 
I could, you know, like, I don't want to, like, give her a USB drive just to carry around all the time. That's real fragile. I don't want to, like, offload her photo library to our Synology, and she, like, streamed that over the wireless. I was like, yeah, I think the best solution here is going to be a machine with more storage space. Um, so we, we were sort of looking, and once you look at a 512-gig SSD, the difference between uh, an 11-inch Air, a 13-inch Air, and a 12-inch MacBook it's really only a couple hundred bucks either way. Like they're really close in price, which um, sort of makes this whole conversation about which computer to buy, I think, a little more confusing for some people. Uh, but we decided to do to do the MacBook. Um, so I've got it actually here uh, with me uh, at work today, and it. So I've been I've been using it actually uh, have El Capitan on it right now, and I need some Retina screenshots for my OS ten review and. Um, so I'm running it for a couple of weeks and I'm going to give it to her and then the 11 inch air will be floating around our house somewhere. But in the, in the, in the short time I've been using it, uh, I've actually really come to like it. You know, like, like Mike said, I need more power most of the time. You know, my main machine, my, really my only other Mac right now is a 15 inch Retina MacBook Pro and actually a brand new one with the force touch trackpad. And uh, it's, it's a killer machine and, and I do need like, you know, I've got Logic going. I'm doing Photoshop. Like, I need that horsepower uh, more, much more than sort of an average person. But David, what you said makes a lot of sense too. Of you know, I don't want to lug a big old MacBook Pro around if I'm working remotely and I'm and I don't need that power, right? So I'm looking at this MacBook and like, um, you know, I wrote uh, a big article on it yesterday and I've been using it a lot. And there is something very attractive about this machine uh, for just a, a get up and go type type computer you know days that i'm doing administration work for relay for instance i could easily do it on this computer and um i've really been impressed with it that it is light it is it is for what it is it's it's quick you know uh, it, it was slow to install os 10 and os 10 updates but past that doing OmniFocus, doing things in the browser doing thing in, things in excel it's perfectly fine and um i think that it's it's obviously first generation has some trade-offs, right? Like it's, it's already been sort of annoying. I needed to plug something in. I had to like go find an adapter and buying a bunch of, you know, a bunch of adapters, but it's, you can kind of see that this is the future of, of notebooks in a way. Um, and so from that perspective, I think it's really interesting. I mean, the, the one port thing for me has not been an issue at all. I mean, I just, because it's a second computer, I hardly ever plug it into anything. And, um, Right, and the the power the power thing is ridiculous. Like I I didn't know what was going to happen the first time I plugged an external battery into it because I didn't know if the external battery was going to charge up the MacBook or the MacBook was going to charge up the external battery. You know, because it really could go either, the power could go either direction with that port, and it and fortunately it, the right thing happened. The battery charged up the MacBook, but then I I got on Amazon and I bought um, a three. Uh, USB Type 2 connector to USB Type 3 connector cables. And um, a couple of years ago, I just got tired. You know, I got kids and I got tired of everybody's machines always being un- uncharged. So I bought a couple of those anchor devices where you plug into the wall and it's got like six USB ports in it and it's smart and it puts out enough juice to, to charge an iPad or a, an iPhone. Yeah, those things are amazing. I love those things. Yeah, so I've got... Uh, I've got a couple of those around the house along with my stump collection. And so the kids and even my kids' friends know when they come over, they can plug in, you know. So I've got those. So just for giggles, I got some of those cables. I plugged them into those devices, those anchor devices. 
And now I can just drop my laptop basically anywhere in the house and charge it from one of those those anchor devices. I mean, it's just kind of nuts. And and Stephen's statement earlier that it's kind of a, a middle-of-the-road device. It's not exactly a MacBook, and it's not exactly an iOS device, but it's somewhere in the middle is true. But it runs all Mac software. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> like... Like, yeah. you know, Keyboard Maestro, <laughs> I can run Keyboard Maestro now anywhere. I mean, I don't know. But uh, it, it, I'm, I'm happy with it. I understand its limitations. And, um, and I was willing to, you know, like I said, I changed my work habits to a certain degree. I'm not doing iBooks author work at Starbucks anymore. But, you know, iBooks author work is best on this big, gorgeous iMac anyway. So I'm okay with that. There's a, there's a rumor floating around yesterday that Apple is revising their external Bluetooth keyboard, which is what I use. I've got one right right here in front of me. And uh, I think if they do it to match the MacBook, I think there are going to be a lot of people who are unhappy with that. But um, I do have to say, even after a couple of days, I've gotten adjusted to typing on the MacBook. It's it's actually, there's some things that are really nice about it that you don't have to press as hard, You know, going back to the RSI follow-up stuff. Um I think that it is it is definitely I can see why people don't like it. And and I didn't like it in the store actually. I, mean, I think I even said that on the show that you know, sort of typing in the Apple store it, it felt weird and, and was strange. But I think if you kinda commit to it, um there are a lot of good things about the keyboard. It does feel very precise in a way that um is I've never had a keyboard feel, so what if they made the what if they made the Bluetooth keyboard with the new switches, but the same amount of travel as the existing Bluetooth keyboard? Yeah, I mean that that'd be nice too to get rid of that that wobbliness. I mean, honestly, if they if they put a backlight in the Bluetooth keyboard, I'm going to buy it no matter what the keycaps look like. Um, they're, they're obviously going to change the font to San Francisco as well as one of the other things yep. they're going to do right on the keyboard. It'd be uh, it'd be nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll 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 kind of. Uh, I just wanted to throw that in there that I think it was interesting talking about the MacBook, and then uh, there was just rumor about the the keyboard, and I think the Magic Mouse to potentially getting an update, but no one cares about the Magic Mouse. Man, I do. I have one right here. I love this thing. I'm being deadly serious with you because I prefer using a mouse for a lot of things than a trackpad, and the mm-hmm. Magic Mouse gives me all the gestures that I want, like to switch between spaces and stuff like that. Which is nice. So, like, I, I, it drives me crazy. Like, I have that that Logitech mouse that we both have. I have some buttons programmed, but like, I can't switch between spaces with swiping, and that's one of the reasons that I keep the trackpad around. Um, so, I really like the Magic Mouse for that. I'm maybe one of the only people yeah. in the world, so I'm actually happy that they're continuing to to do stuff with it. It's a good point. Right, let's take a break and thank. Another one of our sponsors for helping out today. This is another sponsor. We, I'm happy today. We've got all sponsors that have been with us since the beginning, and, and this one is the lovely people over at Smile Software. And today I want to talk about Text Expander. So if you are ever in a situation where you find yourself typing the same sentences, phrases, or words on a regular basis, then Text Expander is for you. It is the product you must have it. Text Expander is one of those things that for many people, including myself, that my Mac feels broken without. Like if something's happened and I've accidentally quit Text Expander, right? I've opened the window and I've quit it by accident and I start typing again and then just nothing works anymore. It feels like my keyboard's broken because I'm doing things and the things that just happened for me with Text Expander no longer happen anymore. Text Expander will save you time by expanding short abbreviations that you set into frequently used text and pictures. It can even be used to fill in forms and stuff like that, which we'll talk about in a moment. 
TextBounder 5 is here now with a new Yosemite look and feel, and it's making your typing even faster than before by helping you out by making suggestions of frequently typed phrases to abbreviate and save time. So TextExpander now reminds you of things that you should be setting as snippets. Like if you're typing a phrase a bunch, it's going to go, hey, why don't you just set this up as a snippet? And then it'll save you time in the future. And the newly released version 5.1 improves these suggestions even further by omitting most single dictionary words and giving you greater control over the notifications. So you can choose how you want to be notified and how you want those suggestions to come through. I mentioned filling in forms. If you ever find yourself in situations where you're frequently filling in forms with the same information, this could be shipping information stuff, but it could also be maybe for your job, you have to fill in a bunch of expense forms or something and you have to fill them in from fresh every time. You can make this super simple by creating a fill-in snippet. So in just a couple of keystrokes, you can fill in an entire form that may have taken you minutes before or hours, depending on how big the form is. Uh, you can also use fill-in snippets to personalize and standardize repetitive replies. So I do this a bunch. Like, say you're a uh, support person you work in some like maybe support for an app or something like that uh, and people tend to come like contact you with similar kind of queries you could set up a fill-in snippet which would have a bunch of boilerplate text but then also some areas where you can customize things by either typing in fields or selecting from drop down lists this stuff is super powerful when you really dig into it and this is the type of stuff that expander can offer you as well as syncing your snippets amongst multiple devices you can store them in iCloud Drive and Dropbox this means means that it can be with you everywhere, both in all of Smile's apps that they have for uh, Text Expander for the Mac and Text Expander for iOS, so it's on the iPad and the iPhone, but also in a bunch of apps that enable snippets in their own application. Apps like Omni Outliner 2, Day One, Fantastical, Drafts, Launch Center Pro, Editorial, and many more. They actually have snippet support in there so that it just works natively in the app. Or you can use uh, the Text Expander keyboard for iOS that gives you these snippets wherever you want to use them. Text Expander 5 also adds support for JavaScript, which also works in Text Expander Touch for iPad and iPhone. Text Expander 5 costs just $44.95 US and upgrades are available for $19.95 for existing users, and it's free to those who purchased on or after January 1st, 2015. You can find out more about Text Expander 5 by visiting smilesoftware.com slash connected. Please note that Text Expander 5 requires Yosemite and Text Expander for iOS is available on the App Store for iPhone and iPad. Please go to smilesoftware.com slash connected to support smile for helping us out here they've been a great supporter of what we've been doing at relay fm and you should show them some love thank you smile did you guys hear our uh, recent mpu with jonathan mann it's in my queue i haven't listened to yeah, it he wrote a jingle for text expander it's it's awesome awesome i'll just I'll say that. that's notes. my tease so talking about MPU, the lovely Mac Power users, which is part of the wonderful Relay FM, and we thank you again for that, uh, David, for bringing a lovely show over to our... Oh, we're, uh, we're thrilled to, to be a part of it. You know, when I heard you guys were going out on your own, I'd like to say that, you know, we're all shocked about how successful you've been, but I had like zero doubt this was going to be a big deal when you guys went out. Oh, you being too nice to us now. Uh, I want to talk about, very quickly, an episode that you did I think last week, episode 272. Uh, Mac-based small business. Yeah, uh, this was basically right in mine and Stephen's wheelhouse. You know, <laughs> like I think with many people, especially with Stephen, like having quit his job like a week earlier. This is exactly the type of stuff that we love to hear. And obviously, you and you were kind of telling Katie about a bunch of the things that you have done now that you are independent. You are uh, have your own business now, David, and like like 
me and Stephen do as well. Um, and you were talking about a bunch of stuff that you like to do and that kind of things and, and the way that you have stuff set up now to help you out with working from home. Uh, so I think we wanted to touch on that. And I know that Stephen obviously have written a little post about his uh, setting hours last week. So uh, Stephen, do you want to start off on that? And we'll talk a little bit about this working from home type stuff. Yeah, sure thing. So because I'm doing multiple things, I'm doing Relay, I'm doing 512, I'm doing some consulting and freelancing. Uh, I've been uh, aware going into this that the way my time is divided up is something that I need to pay attention to. That something I'm spending... 50% of my time on, you know, if that's only making 15% of my income, that's a that's a problem. And so I, wanna, I need to make sure that ratio is is at least close to what, you know, I think it should be. And so I've been using this app called Hours um and I will put a link to that in the uh in the show notes. Um it is just this little iPhone app and you can set up tasks and you just hit a little a little button and it counts time against that task. And you can go in and add it later. So it's it's you can run a timer. Or if you're like me, bouncing from one thing to another, you can kind of estimate and, and put things in. Um, so I've been using that on my phone uh, for about a week and a half now. I started uh, last week just to see where thing you know where the time is going. And um, because it's not all directly you know one to one billable type stuff. Uh, anyway, so I ran uh, a report from that and, and just kind of threw this up on the site last night about. Uh, my first week, um, worked 30 or, or clocked 38 hours. I feel like I worked much more than that. Um, some stuff didn't go into this, just sort of like, you know, just stuff you have to deal with, like errands and resetting up my desk for the fourth time this week and that sort of stuff. But um, uh, I thought it was an interesting way to sort of look at where my time is going so far. And, and it's only the first week, and and like I say, this this pie chart will shift over time. I think, but um. I just thought that was a really important thing to to sort of be thinking about because I'm doing more than than one thing for my living now. I don't know, yeah. I, I, David. I imagine this 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 sort of thing is is huge for you with client work. Yeah, it's it's hard because my um my day job. So for those that don't know, I'm I'm a lawyer and I have a, a little practice where I represent a lot of companies and software developers and people like that. And so uh, for a lot of those people, um when they need me, they, it's like a fireman, you know, that you need to, you know, go down the pole and run to the fire. And, and so that's always out there. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so into organization and this stuff, because I need to be able to be agile. Um, but I also, you know, have this separate business where I write books and do podcasts and do things that I really love as well. And, uh, the, the thing I found so far in this process is that, uh, the legal business has definitely taken priority over the first, you know, and I've been at it four or five months. And frankly, I was pretty sick for a part of it. I ended up with kidney stones of all things. And so that, that kind of set me back as well. But um, I'm really looking forward in the next couple months to getting better at wrangling the legal side. So I have a little bit more time for the other stuff. And, um, and I really think it's just something where you just figure it out as you go along too. I mean, I was up last night till like 1 a.m., Mm -hmm. uh, digging out of an email hole because, because I got sick, but you know, so I'm not really sure I know all the variables yet, but, but what I do like is that I get to make the decision every day and, and I get to, you know, figure out how I'm going to, to solve these problems, which is really great. What is your ideal balance of, 
of time between Max Sparky and Sparks Law? I, you know, I don't know yet. That's part of the problem, right. I think, because I really enjoy both a great deal. I mean, that's great I, that you actually yeah. do still enjoy the legal. Oh stuff, yeah, I, think. I mean, I talked to some people who say, "Well, yeah, I do. I have a job too. I'm using to kind of help me get to where I want to be with the other thing." And um, you know, what I do fundamentally is help people, and I help people with. Um, you know, kind of as a business lawyer, I help a lot of people with some really hard problems, and that's very rewarding. But also, as Max Sparky, I get emails all the time from people where I give them a little tip or something, and they talk about, they write me and talk, you know, thank me because they get get to go home earlier or whatever. And you know, so I get happy chemicals from both things. Um, so I, I'm ne- definitely not looking to be someday where all I do is write tech books. I, I still want to keep my head in the other game as well. But I, at this point, I'm not really sure what the balance is because I'm still figuring it out. Uh, I've having done this for, a, so, which is kind of crazy to me, approaching a year. I think I've been self-employed for like ten months or something. Uh, I still don't have the balance set. I, I'm actually starting to resign myself to the fact that I will never set it, and that it just continues to shift. And I just need to be. I'm not saying this will be the same for everyone, but for me, like I just feel like I need to just make sure that I'm keeping it in my mind, and I try and balance it out week by week. Because there's no, I, I every time I think I've fixed it, I'm like, right, okay, I've done this and this and this, and I've like, for example, I put inquisitive to every two weeks because I need the balance there. But now a new project is is taking some more time away. Like every time I think, like, right, okay, great, here's the balance. Oh no, I'll do this now, and it's you know, it just ends up being that I just keep shifting it around. Yeah, I was just talking to a client yesterday, and he was telling me, he says, you know, Dave, I finally got this whole business worked out, and it's making money, and the machine just runs now, and I I just feel like I'm all set. And I I had to tell him, you know, my experience, nothing ever stays that way. Everything is in fluid and in motion, and, you know, you're always going to have to kind of pivot your business at some point. And as I was telling him the speech, I was thinking about myself. I'm thinking, how come I haven't taken my own advice and realized that, this is always going to be in motion. You know, I can't sit here and stress out about it too much. I just need to keep working. And um, I really like Stephen's idea, though, of looking at, you know, where's the money coming in versus where am I spending my time? And sometimes it's worth it to spend your time on something that doesn't make as much money because you're passionate about it. But yeah. um, but to know that information is just, I mean, I was thinking, I haven't done this. I just downloaded hours. I'm going to follow Stephen's um trick here and just kind of i need to know the data i mean how much am i spending on this versus that and what is making money because that that may change some of your decisions so i mean i like everybody and 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 this is i know kind of a running thing on relay these days but you know when do you stop is kind of hard when you're working for yourself it's easy to just keep working right into the you know till you fall into bed and um but but you know we say that but we also take time i know like for instance I'm going out with my um, with my 18 year old later today. We're going to a concert together, and th- there's things like this that just not would have not have been possible when I was working for the man. Um, I wanted you, obviously in that episode you mentioned about all of the great stuff that you're using the Mac for, and I really think that people should listen to it. It's just a really fascinating episode. I just lapped it up, but I want to talk about the iPad a little bit because. Yeah. The iPad Air um, has become a surprising tool for me with getting work done that I didn't expect it would be. Um, I'm running iOS 9 on it, and and I think when I look at 
the way that iOS 9 is now and where it will go once it's actually out, I can see how much more even then it will become an important part of the way that I do work. You know, the, the multiple screen stuff is really good. I've been using the Notes app a lot um, and the split screen stuff is great. And the Notes app is surprisingly good. Like, Dave, yeah, have you I been know. using it much? Yes, yes. It, I'm, I'm, I'm I can't the... believe, actually, that Apple have made an app that... Okay, that sounds bad, but like... <laughs> a, a, an app that like it, us nerds really care about text editors and notes apps and this one is like basically as good as I would need it to be I would like to have a couple of other things but the things that I want it to have it doesn't need like I would love markdown previewing but whatever you know yeah I mean you can write markdown in it it's just not gonna preview it and to me that's fine I, I actually kind of in my head I translate markdown anyway but the um, it, like I, I think tagging would be kind of nice. It doesn't have that, but just in general, the thing is, it's an it's kind of a weird hybrid between text editing and Evernote, where you know, like I'm getting ready to do a garden project. I live in Southern California, and we have no water anymore, so I'm getting rid of my grass, and I'm gonna start getting some drought friendly plants. So I've been collecting bits around the internet about plants I may want to use, and you know, you know, how can we really reduce our water usage in the Sparks House, and and notes is perfect for that. I've got pictures in there. I've got little omnigraphal drawings I've drawn and, you know, saved out as PDF and all that stuff just dumps right into the notes app. And it's very handy to me. So while Evernote never really worked for me, notes is kind of treading that line and it's not on my iMac yet. Cause I haven't loaded uh, El Cap there yet, but I am definitely in the running for, for really adopting notes in a big way here in the next couple months. So, like, some of the stuff that I found it extremely useful for, like, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the way that we prepare shows, and I mentioned that I use drafts to append and prepend to notes for each show. I'm now using Notes app for that, so I have, like, I thought that's one of the main things that I do, and considering it has a pretty good extension, I'll give it a go, and I really like that. Um, it has pretty good outlining stuff like the bullets do do a pretty good job you know like I, I like to outline with just bulleted lists and it does a good job and the bulleted lists that it produces you can copy and paste them into google drive and it re- keeps the formatting which makes me extremely happy um anybody that is uh using it on the mac uh that is struggling with trying to get a bullet bulleted list to begin if you just press alt 8 it creates a bullet and press space and then the notes app translates that into a bulleted list it's very smart that it does that, but I wish there was an actual key combination that the app told you you could do to begin a bulleted list, but that is a way that you can do it. And I have it on my iPhone, my iPad, and my laptop. I haven't put El Capitan on my recording machine, naturally. And when Thank I'm you. using the Mac Pro <laughs> when I'm using the Mac Pro now, I miss the notes app. Uh, I'm using it for a bunch of stuff. I'm using it to help me plan out the talk that I'm going to be doing at the Release Notes conference. And I've got images in here. I've got links in here. Uh, I'm really happy with it. It's just a very simple notes app. And it does some rich tech stuff good, so pretty good. Like that, you have some drawing tools, which are fantastic, and foreshadowing. And uh, I, I'm really, I'm surprisingly happy with it, actually. And that's one of the great tools of the iPad for me. Yeah, you can also do a bullet list by hitting shift eight, you know, just the asterisk and um, space and then start oh, typing. Really? It creates a bulleted list, yeah. Yes. 
Thank you, David. Yeah, it's weird. That, it doesn't say there's no there's there's no like in the menus. It doesn't give. It shows how to begin a bulleted list, but doesn't give a key combination. And I was really struggling to find it. Option eight is is system wide on the Mac. Um, it's not note specific, but it, I guess they sort of. It's one of those things. I yeah. assume you know. Um, yeah, I've I've used it. I mean, I've got the MacBook running. 10.11, and I actually put iOS 9 on my phone last night, and so far it has not exploded into a pile of aluminum and glass, so that's that's good. Um, Always useful. Yeah, it's it's you don't want a little, like a crater on your desk where your phone used to be. But it's, it is an interesting time for the, for the Note stuff. You know, we've talked a lot about Evernote and how it sort of wandered out into the weeds, and I don't know if it's ever going to come back. So it'd have something first party... Um, Seems you know seems exciting. It's uh, I don't need everything Evernote has. You know, you look at something like Reminders, or something. Uh, you know, some of Apple's first party stuff that's very simple, and I need something more powerful. Notes is sort of the opposite. Like I don't need everything that something like Evernote can do. So I'm excited with you guys to to see where that goes in the future. But also other stuff like the iPad is just. Like I was doing some work on it this morning and it's a great machine now that I can just pick up and go somewhere else with for a lot of the, I think, the the uses that you have for the MacBook, David. Like it's just a machine that I can go and sit in the garden or I can go and just sit in the lounge downstairs and just like sit on the sofa and do a bit of work in the morning, respond to email and, you know, simple things like read Twitter and stuff like that. And for as sad as that is on the iPad, uh, it's something that I do. Uh, and it's the iPad is is forcing its way into my life and is becoming an essential device again. Well, I mean, and, it's just qu- it's quietly become so much more competent for work. I mean, the yes. hardware's got better, and the software. Like I know you guys do a lot of work in Google Docs and Google Sheets, and those apps on the iPad are really competent now. I mean, I like all the work I did on the outline for this show was on my iPad, you know, in the Google Docs app. And then, you know, I start to think about an iPad Pro and what that could have and what that could be. And I'm I'm kind of I'm kinda of getting quite excited about it. And I'm wondering how much teachy I can go in my life. We'll see. <laughs> right, should we take a break? Let's do it. This week's episode is also brought to you by Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. With Igloo, you don't need to be chained to your desk to do your work. We've been talking just now, this is perfect, about working from home and working from different environments. This is what Igloo allows you to do. If you are in a company that has an internet, currently, if it's anything like the stuff that I've used in the past, you'll only be able to access it inside certain buildings, inside certain networks, and on certain machines, because they're old and rubbish and terrible. And you know, Try and use it on a on an iPhone and you will just want to cry. This is the stuff that Igloo thinks about. They have built an internet that can be used everywhere. It's super secure, right? So you can use it from wherever you need and they have all of the stuff that you're going to want. 256-bit encryption, single sign-on, and Active Directory integrations. That's all there to lock it down and make it safe and secure. But it can also look great. Igloo have fantastic tools to allow you to rebrand your intranet, give it the look and feel of your team, and also customize it with drag and drop widgets so you can turn on certain parts of functionality, turn off stuff that different teams and different parts of your organization don't need, and just make every part of your intranet, wherever people log on, the perfect thing that they're going to need to get their own work done. You're able to manage task lists from wherever you want. You can share status updates in the, from the garden you can check out documents when you're on the sofa at home in your pajamas it doesn't matter where you want to work igloo will work for you there it's all responsive at all the web 
design there is responsive, looks fantastic on all devices. They even have uh, document collaboration tools in their intranet. It's all designed of HTML5. People are able to upload documents, download documents. They can comment on them. Uh, you can track who has read them with read receipts as well. This makes it super useful for making sure that everybody is seeing critical information and everyone is on the same page. But Igloo also integrates with services like Box, Google Drive, and Dropbox to keep them all within one big, easy-to-secure platform. Because people these days are taking documents from work and putting them into these services so they can have them wherever they want to be. This is terrible for security. You don't want this sort of stuff happening in your company. So Igloo have found a way to integrate all of that into their platform. It really is incredible. Uh, if it you are using any other type of intranet product, you should be checking out Igloo. It is time to break away from the intranet you hate. Go and sign up for Igloo right now and you can try it out for free with any team of up to 10 people for as long as you want, which is awesome. You can sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash connected. And again, thank you so much to Igloo for the support of this show and our entire first year. We love everybody over at Igloo. Thank you so much for helping support Relay FM. Right, so uh, the Apple Music Festival. So I saw this come out today. This is something that maybe people will remember from the last couple of years, although it's been around in uh, in the UK for quite a while. It was previously called the iTunes Music Festival. And in the last couple of years, Apple have like, created an Apple TV app and they've been streaming them worldwide. But previously, it's just an absolutely free festival. You apply for tickets. Um, they have done in the past, like it used to be like a 30-day uh, thing there'd be a different like be 30 different concerts it's down to 10 days this year they've they've shrunk it down but the lineup that they've had so far like the people that they've announced are bigger guests than they've had in previous years like in aggregate they've got one direction disclosure pharrell and florence and the machine so huge four to begin with uh every one of those acts have a special guest of them which are also another great band usually and then they're obviously going to have another six uh nights that they're going to Kind of show, and you can apply for tickets directly with Apple. They also do some promotions with newspapers and other media outlets in the UK to give this stuff away. But what makes this interesting this time around is that Apple are obviously considering, let's call it the Apple Music Festival, right? Which is smart, right? And they're also leveraging all of the stuff from Apple Music to make this a more complete experience for people watching it so everyone will be able to stream the concerts via the music app on ios devices um, also on itunes on the mac and on the apple tv apple also going to stream content through the beats one radio station so they'll probably do behind the scenes stuff and maybe they'll re i bet they'll replay the concerts on the on the on beats one and they're also going to do behind the scenes footage on apple music connect so it's like this it is a fantastic way for apple to showcase the service and I think that is very interesting. And, and it's, whoever thought, ah, oh, we do this thing. <laughs> Why don't we just ro roll all of this into Apple Music? They, that person got a bonus that day, I think. So I have applied to go to the iTunes Music Festival on multiple occasions. Like every year I always apply for a gig of some kind. I haven't applied for any of these four yet, but I'm sure I will by the end of it. Uh, on two occasions, I won tickets but couldn't go to either of them. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> yeah, there was like work stuff or recording stuff would pop up because they they kind of tell you quite late in the like in the process, maybe like a day or two before that you've got them in in previous years, uh, and you can if you don't claim them, they just go to somebody else. Like you have to go in and claim them, but you always get a pair of tickets, which is really cool, and the concert is completely free, and then obviously you pay for like food and drinks and stuff like that. But 
I think it's just a really interesting way of leveraging everything around Apple Music to create an interesting experience for people because this is a really i've always found uh, the itunes festival an interesting and kind of weird thing that apple do like i never fully understood why they did it you know it was just kind of like a we can do this so we'll do it type thing yeah i think it's to me it feels sort of like older apple not like 90s or 80s apple but sort of like mid-2000s apple where music was a really big part of their business and they're returning to that now but this just feels like something that, for some reason, like I just see Steve Jobs and be like, you know what, we should have like a big old concert. And but it always um, felt like maybe up until last year, I mean, when, or the year before when they started streaming them. But even then, still, it was like Apple London had money in their budget and they used <laughs> it for this because it only happens in London. Right. Yeah. It's not. It's not like a road show where like they have. I mean, you could see Apple doing this like through the month of September, like maybe one. In London, and then the next weekend, one in LA, and the next weekend, one in Tokyo. Like, that would be interesting too. Um, I can kind of see them maybe doing that at some point in the future. They're really pushing the worldwide aspect of, of Beats One. Worldwide. That's <laughs> right. Are you okay there? It sounded, mm-hmm. sounded deep. I'm just um, saying, loving it. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah. What do you think, David? I, you know, I. I'm. I don't follow uh, pop music as much, so the acts are never the, as interesting to me. Now that I have kids, I actually recognize some of these groups, but otherwise, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> but the. Uh, but I, I like it. I think it's cool that um, they are doing it, and you know what? They can afford it. They have plenty of money. Um, I would like to see it kind of expand, especially as they are focusing more on music now. I mean, why don't they do one in New York and one in LA too? I mean, they could do that. And my feeling would... is, this is all we get. Please don't take it away from us. <laughs> you know, this is something London has. Leave it in London. But I yeah. understand the idea of it because it, it, it is just interesting that they do it this way, and it would make a lot of sense to maybe do five nights in London and five nights in New York, even and just leave it like that. Um, and I think maybe that's. Something they will probably do. I expect that these types of things have to be locked down a long time in advance. Like the venue that Apple used, the Roundhouse, is a very, very popular music venue in London. It's fantastic. It's just a round, as you can imagine, it's just a round building. Uh, and the, the, the gig area is round and it has like a seating area upstairs. And it really is just a fantastic venue. And there's no way you could book 10 nights there at short notice. Like this is probably booked a year ago. So I'll be interested to see what happens over the next couple of years to see if they expand it out from there. I think the bigger question is, is how much harder is Apple going to be hitting the whole music thing? going forward because it seems like the signal is now they really want to reconnect with their music roots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what does that mean in addition to things like this? Yeah, I mean, it is interesting that they're going back there um, because of when they did it. They, You know, we spoke about this on the show, many people have, that it always felt a bit late, but now they're, like, pouring a ton of money into it. And I wonder why that is. Uh, I mean, I think, I think Apple Music... Uh, I think it's one of those things that benefits from just saturation and awareness. And I mean, they renamed it. It was the iTunes Music Festival forever. They renamed it now. And so I think this is all just one sort of like big push, especially these 90 days are still going on to get people uh, involved and get people to check out what's going on, uh, you know, before that, uh, during this kind of opening window opening season of, of Apple Music. 
Well, I, I can think of three billion reasons why they want to get uh, more exposed to music. Because, I mean, they, they've really... I mean, we think of the last year. I mean, they bought Beats. They opened up this whole, you know, Apple Music service. They've got the streaming service. Now, I mean, they've come a long way with music in the last 12 months. So it just, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think the story is done being told here. I think there's going to be more to this. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, is this, you know, just a way for them to just spend a ton of their money, right? And it's an easy way to do it And because, you, you know, you need to think about, you know, I, I'm sure people like Zane Lowe and people like that come at quite a cost. And and I wonder if it is like, do they do this because they think it sells more devices? Do they do it because it's one of those things you have to do to have a real, well-rounded kind of system now? Like you have to have music. And instead of doing what is the obvious thing, what everybody else is doing is, oh, a current music library, you can just stream it now. They decided to do a bunch of other stuff as well. And I wonder if, you know, like what the motivations are for that. Like, is it they want to be the top dog in streaming or they just want to do things the Apple way? Like, I wonder where the original thinking behind Let's Do Beats 1 came from. Think about um, Samsung and how much money they spend on advertising with, in my perception, the goal of becoming a cool company. They want to be cool. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, they do the kind of the snarky ads and they, they have a whole like, there's clearly a, a plan here in action. And I think there is a benefit to that word coolness. Uh, maybe that's not even the right word anymore because I'm old. But the um, but and Apple's had that for a long time. And I think one of the ways they maintain that is things like this. And I, I suspect they fully are aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you think it, it keeps them connected with younger people? It does with my kids. Sure. You know. So, I found myself not listening to Beats One very much recently, which is shame for me. I've been using Apple Music a lot, and I like using I like the service. Um, I continue to really enjoy using it, but I'm not as interested in. I'm, I'm just finding myself not in a scenario where I'm listening to Beats One as much as I was initially, and I wonder if that's the same for other people. I mean, I see people in my timeline talking about it all the time, but I know that at least the initial interest that I had in it seems to have maybe tailed off a little bit. Well, that's interesting coming from you because I know how eager you were for it to get launched and and um, you were already a fan of Zane Lowe. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that if they can really push this replay stuff a bit more that they're doing, because at the moment it's a little bit ghettoed, I think I would enjoy that a lot more. It's the planning my life around when certain things are happening is difficult because... I tend to be, you know, not able to listen to music for multiple hours of my day because I'm either recording or I'm editing or doing something. So at the moment, they've been doing this thing called Beats One Replays, and it seems like they're trying to make this more of a thing where they just turn a radio, a Beats One show into like an on-demand podcast and you just listen to it start to finish. And I think that if they can if they can make that more of a feature than it currently is, uh, I would be way more inclined to listen to the shows. It's just because, you know, I'm not necessarily going to be interested in the show that's available at the time that I can actually listen, you know? Right. I mean, the 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 idea of Beats 1 being a radio station, as far as, like, we, we play this one time and it's gone forever, right? It's the way that the radio works. It's sort of silly in the world where, like, you guys could just release this again. Like, you could have it on demand for anyone to check out at any time. So I, I think 
ultimately they will get there. It just it makes so much sense to me of like why not leverage all this technology you have? Like yes, like do it do it live and, and this hour is a unique hour of programming, but then make it a playlist, make it available later uh, for people like you, Mike, who who can't who can't get to it. Um, you know, terrestrial radio gets around this a little bit by we've all complained about this, right? Like you listen to your local rock station, it's like the same set just over and over and there's not a lot of variation and with beats one they're bringing all these people in they want it to be varied um why not capture that and have it available for later it just seems like a really uh simple and and like uh enticing way to keep people engaged who have the scheduling problem that you have yeah so i'm looking i've done a little bit of the replay stuff i listened to one of dr trey's shows uh a couple of days ago so you know they're kind of at the moment you just go to this page and they're just all listed there the, like the ui is all kind of messed up because you can see and i think it's kind of cool like whoever's working on these teams that they seem to be very much like in a hacky kind of way you know like they're just doing stuff like over at the apple music teams and they're like okay we'll try this now and they're kind of like oh we have to work within these parameters let's just see if we can get it out there which kind of sounded like you know on the day one what zane was saying it was like you know we weren't even sure if we were going to be able to do this but we managed it and we kind of pulled it out of the bag at the last minute and i'm interested to see if the the replays get more of a feature apparently there was a I saw this go by the other day that zane was saying that within the next few weeks or so they're going to be able to make this more of a thing so who knows what's going to happen maybe it comes as part of ios 9 or something they they update a little more which is an issue right that they have to wait for big releases to be able to do anything with the music app they can't just update the music app it has to be we're updating the entire os and with that comes some changes to music yeah but i think anyhow. it's fair all right i think unless anybody's got anything else i think that about wraps up today yeah good Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm a big fan of the show. We love you, David, and we're so happy that you're here today. Um, I would love people to go and find out everything about David Sparks by going to maxsparky.com. You can follow David. He's at maxsparky as well on Twitter, and he's one of the hosts of the very, very lovely Mac Power users at Relay FM. And I would love it if you would go and follow and, and subscribe to everything that David does because you will not be disappointed. So thank you, sir, for joining us. My pleasure. And uh, I think that about wraps it up. If you want to find Stephen online, there's a lovely place that you can go and do that over at 512pixels.net. And he is the host of Liftoff on Relay FM, which you can find at relay.fm slash liftoff with the lovely Jason Snell. And he is on Twitter at ISMH. And I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter. And I host a bunch of different shows over at Relay FM. And I just want to say a massive thank you to every single one of you listening. Uh, Connected is kind of like a, it's a good it's a show that's fun because me and Steven are both on it so it feels like an important part of Relay right it's the show that we do together so I've always felt of this show as being like really tied to it and I I think we both make more of a a thing when something happens with with Relay to talk about it on this show so I just want to take a moment to thank everybody who has helped us get to where we are uh, whether you're a listener or whether you've helped with something, you know, everybody, every single host, every person that we've ever had has given us any advice, has really helped us get to incredible places over the last year. And I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, so I want to thank everybody out there. And of course, more than anybody, I want to thank Stephen Hackett for being along with me and us doing this together. It's a pleasure to work with you every day. Hey, you too. 
And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Connected. Maybe Federico will be back. (laughs) Nobody knows. (laughs) Until then, thanks to our sponsors, Igloo, Linda, and obviously the lovely people over at Smile. And we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Adios. Uh, Leave a (laughs) ditchy. Did I get that right? (laughs) Something like that. (laughs)